On today's episode, when Amanda Marshall started her beauty and fashion blog as a hobby, she had no idea just how big it would get. Today, she has more than 257,000 Instagram followers and makes more money than she ever did in her corporate career. I just enjoyed it and I loved it. And I think you have to because I spent two years blogging five days a week and I didn't make a penny and I didn't get a free product. And on the Coach's Corner, if you're suffering from shiny object syndrome in your business, it's a warning sign of a deeper problem. You're doing all the things, but you're, you keep searching for something else. You keep looking at what other people are doing and then you think, oh, should I go find that? Should I go try that? And so it's this element of just continually, honestly, just being distracted by other things that are happening out there. Welcome to the Joy Sutton Show, where it's all about joyful conversations to inspire your life. When you show up in the world as the best version of yourself, you give other women the inspiration, courage, and permission to do the same. It's my time to take care of me. What made you think you could do it in your 50s? You know, I didn't think I could do it, to be honest with you. I was scared to death. We are all on our own journeys, but we can do this together. And there's something powerful about sharing our stories and the wisdom we've learned along the way. So let's dive into today's conversation and get to living our best lives. You have to step out on faith. You have to take the first step and go for it. If you've ever wanted to be a beauty or fashion influencer, the story of my friend Amanda Marshall will inspire you. When I met Amanda, she was really just starting her blog, Pardon Moi. Even six years ago, I knew she had something special. At the time, she only had friends and family really reading it. But then one day it took off. Now on Instagram alone, she has more followers than some celebrities. I remember you and I, we worked at the same place at the time. And we had this conversation where you were starting this blog and it was like your passion. But you didn't really know where it was going. Tell me what you remember about that conversation that we had. Sure. So I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember, you know, you've always been my biggest cheerleader and you have always had this vision for, I think, for yourself and for other people. And it's hard to see it at the time when you're kind of in the thick of it and you know that you have dreams and aspirations for something bigger than what it is. But sometimes you don't know what are the next steps to get there? And at the time, it was purely a hobby. Now I had moved away from home and I knew that I liked having a creative outlet outside of work because what we did there in marketing was creative, but it's also very confining and it's kind of black and white. So I wanted something else. And I had no idea at the time what that would turn into, but I'm glad that you had faith in me because I think sometimes you need other people to say, hey, you can do it and give you that encouragement. And it's, but it's definitely a journey. I had no idea. Should you have told me back then that I would be where I am today? I would have said, there is no way. Like you couldn't even imagine it. You know, it's so crazy because didn't I say something to you like, this is going to be big? Or I said, I can see it. I can't remember even what the words were. Yes, you absolutely did. You said, you know, I can see this really being your your thing. And I've always called it a passion project because that's really what it is. And you eat, live and breathe it even when no one else sees it or knows about it. You're not making any money. It's just this thing that you love to do. And I think you saw that in me probably before maybe I saw it in myself. Um, yeah. And, you know, here we are. So you're good at predicting the future. 
You're like, Joy, if Joy says you're going to be big someday, you better listen to her. You never know what, what might happen. But take me back to when you first started the blog. What made you, I know you said you were thinking passion. It was a passion project for you. Like, how did you come up with the name and how did you even just get started in the process? Sure. So when I originally moved away from home, I think because I didn't have friends and family in the area, I really turned to blogs and YouTube and those people became my friends. And I really enjoyed the fashion and the styling and the makeup and kind of just getting to know those people. And I realized one day, you know, I work in a creative industry. This is something I think I'd really enjoy doing myself and thought about it for a really long time. And honestly, thinking of blog names is very hard because everyone's taken every cute word saying you could possibly think of. Um, And I didn't necessarily want it to be my name at the time. And so I thought about it for about two weeks. And honestly, it was one of those things that just came to me. It was a play on words off French pardon moi. And originally I was doing purely beauty. So then I changed it to M-U-H, like you're blowing someone a kiss, pardon moi. And it just kind of stuck. And to this day, I, I love it because it's just so different. It is. Yeah. It is so different. I love that because and what I like about it too is like you said, you came up with this name because it was really unique. And I remember when you were telling me the name, but then in addition to that, you built this yourself. Like it wasn't like you went out and hired somebody and said, Hey, can you build my website? I think I have this idea. Like this was literally you kind of starting on your own. Do you remember that? What that was like? Absolutely. And I think in the beginning, it's kind of nice to have this thing to yourself because it's sort of daunting when you think about people reading your words or seeing your pictures and you're putting it out there into cyberspace for you know everyone to see. So it's kind of nice to have this little side project that really for me was more for my family and friends and for them to see what I was up to. And it just starts to grow and gain traction. And I feel pretty proud that I've done most of it myself. And at the point where I am now, I do have contractors and people that help me along the way with design or legal or whatever it may be. But I think you learn so much more when you have to do it yourself. And I think there's now nowadays, it's almost like being an influencer has become more of a career choice where that I feel like a couple years ago, it was just hobbies that turned into jobs sort of overnight. And now people are saying, how can I become an influencer? which is very different. But I think there's something to be said about really building something for the ground up without someone handing you all of the answers and telling you, this is how to make money. This is, there's so much organic growth that happens when you have to do things on your own sometimes. And why do you think that is? Do you think you felt to some extent that you weren't as concerned about all the metrics? You were really just focused on just giving what you wanted to give? Is that why you think the organic part is so big for people or even just being okay with starting small? Absolutely. I think I would encourage people not to start a blog or an Instagram page purely for monetary gain. I think the people who are really successful do it because they love it. It was truly just a hobby. I never, ever, ever, maybe two years in, I started thinking, oh, maybe this would could earn me money. But That was just never my plan. I just enjoyed it and I loved it. And I think you have to because I spent two years blogging five days a week and I didn't make a penny and I didn't get a free product. And that's the piece that people sometimes don't. If you're looking at it purely for monetary reasons, you're not going to want that two years where you're just growing and 
it's just for fun. It has to be for fun and you have to love it because there's a lot of moments on the back and people don't see that aren't fun and that are hard work. And I think it's harder work to make it not look like work sometimes. And that's the part that people sometimes get into it and they're like, oh, this isn't just free stuff and tons of money. And that's just not the case. Well, what I love that you just said, and I want to go back on that, that two years, right? You're doing this for two years. You're in it. You said five days a week. That's a lot, right? Because you were taking like your own pictures or had friends taking pictures for you or whatever. So for two years, you're doing this. What stopped you in that two years from saying, ah, I don't even know if I really need to do this anymore. You know, I think I never had that thought. I, yeah. I don't think it crossed my mind that I didn't want to do it. And I can honestly, truly say to someone that I love what I do. I have never disliked it. I have never thought, wow, this is terrible or draining or anything. I've truly loved every second of it. Um, I think that's pretty rare, but it's definitely why I knew to keep moving forward. And the thing was, you know, I was working full-time and part-time and blogging five days a week. So I was spending late, late nights or my lunch break or whatever it may be blogging. So I just did it whenever I had free time, which really wasn't that often. And how much time would you say, I know you're talking about five days a week, you were blogging. How much time were you investing in this at that point? Probably a couple hours a day. Whoa. So that was still some significant investment. It wasn't like you were just throwing stuff up there. You were conscientious of what you were putting out there. Absolutely. And I think I looked forward to it. Anytime you look forward to something, I think you don't realize sometimes even the investment of time you put in, because my job now is basically very 24 seven. It doesn't feel that way because it's fun for me and I look forward to it. Um, and I think that's how it was then. I don't think I even realized how much time I was even putting into it because I just enjoyed it. I love that because, you know, I think that's a good wake up call for a lot of women as you're trying to find your passion and to figure out like what you want to do with your life or where you want to go is just what brings you joy that no matter if you didn't get paid, you didn't get followers, no matter any of that, or no one even paid major attention that it just fueled your soul, you know? And that's what it it sounds like when I'm listening to your story at this point is that it was almost like fueling your soul. This was like a release for you. This was something you enjoyed, you know, enjoyed doing. Absolutely. And I think you need that in the moments where maybe you're the only one that believes in what you're doing. And I remember very vividly someone telling me once that, a job's just a job. It pays the bills. Like you don't need to love it or enjoy it or it doesn't need to be this joyful thing that you do. It's just sort of something that you have to do in life. And this is just how you survive. And I remember thinking, why? Why is that how people have to live? Why is that what we're handed? Because work is such a huge portion of your life for most people, probably the largest portion. And so I just in that moment was like, there's I don't have to live that way. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not going to take time and living paycheck to paycheck and that it's going to be easy. You have to, you know, make practical choices to get there. And it's easier for some people than other people. But I think anyone who believes enough in themselves can live a happier work life. It, it doesn't have to just be miserable just because. And do you remember getting like your first followers, you know, when you when you were kind of going through this journey with you? Did you start off like with 10 and it's like your friends and you're like, hey, check out my blog and I'm sharing my blog on Instagram. Like, how did that kind of beginning part look for you? Yeah, that's pretty much what it looks like. It's mostly your friends and family and people that you know. 
And to be honest, I think in the first two years, I maybe was at 4,000. So your growth trajectory starts multiplying the larger you get. The bigger you get, more people see you, more brands see you, more people are sharing you. So it kind of snowballs. But I think it's completely normal. And here's the thing I think a lot of people forget. You want loyal followers. Numbers aren't everything. And brands have now realized that. And your engagement and your loyalty of your followers is far superior than just having a bunch of people because it really doesn't serve you well if you have a ton of people who don't shop with you, who don't believe in you, who don't read your blog posts. So growing slowly and consistently is important because I've had people who've been with me from the beginning, which Mm. just, that amazes me. I mean, I have people tell me like back when you were in California or back in the beginning and I'm like, bless y'all for staying with me because I'm sure, I mean, my pictures looked rough. I mean, it's so- No, they did. They always look great. (laughs) Wow, I've come a long way. But- That's another thing is that we all start somewhere. You're not just going to start and it's going to be perfect and wonderful and your picture quality is going to be great. It's a, it's a, the whole thing is a process. And I think you really need to enjoy every single step of that process. So take me from that 4,000, right? You had been doing this about that two years before you started seeing anything really, really happening. At what moment did you realize like there was a shift, like things were about to take off? Was there a moment that you had like, whoa, something <laughs> is happening here. Yeah, I can I think the p- most pivotal moment for me was when I sat down with myself and this was after I moved from Virginia to California, which was a large life change. And so I said, you know, if I'm going to invest the time, I'm going to invest the money, what am I doing? Like what is my purpose? And I think that's where the pivotal change happened because you can do this all day long, but unless you really have a mission statement behind what you're doing. I think it's a little bit hard to have direction. And then that's when I started thinking of monetizing and I joined with reward style, which is how I'm able to make my posts commissionable and start to gain commission off of sharing outfits and things. And that's when I really started to gain traction. I think, you know, having direction, turning it into a business is so crucial. You know, what are the stepping stones? What do, and then I think, you know, I kind of, reeled it in and started blogging three days a week instead of five because I thought quality over quantity is more important. And, you know, I kind of had a a goal of like what I wanted to share each week and honestly, just thinking more business minded. And it's funny because sometimes I'm like, Amanda, you work in marketing. This is what you do, you know? So putting that behind the blog was important. And in the beginning, I was just kind of like, whatever, it's just fun, which I also think is important. But I love the fact that you said that it was like a decision. You know, it started out, you're doing this as a hobby, a passion project, which it still is. But then you have this candid moment with yourself and you say, huh, if I'm going to really do this, let's really do the thing, right? Let's invest. Let's let's connect with the right folks. So there was like this, this shift in you that said, let's really do that. And how soon after that did you start to see things pick up? Did it go from like 4,000 to you know, thousands of people coming to your blog, what was the momentum or the the process from that point? It was definitely quick from that point on. I mean, I was also looking at collaborating with other influencers. I was talking to brands. I was getting more collaborations with brands and that was getting my name out there more and my blog out there more. And the minute that I started kind of, I guess, putting myself out there um, and more people were seeing me, I mean, I grew pretty quickly, I would say within the next two years, I think I was probably at the 100,000 mark. So, whoa, 
What was that like? It's honestly, I still sometimes have to sit and think, wow, because I look at the number every single day. So to me, I'm constantly chasing people growing, you know, ahead of me or where like, I'm always looking at what is next and where do I want to get to? And sometimes I have to sit and think, wow, how thankful I am to be where I am. And it's just sort of surreal when you really sit down and say, and I thought this the other day, I was in my house and I was just like, wow, my life is exactly what I want it to be. And I just think that's sort of a rare thing to have. And I'm just really proud to be here and glad I made a lot of sacrifices along the way to make that happen. But it feels very worth it now. You talk about sacrifices, and I want to touch on that quickly before kind of going on more into getting where you are today. What do you feel like were the sacrifices that you had to make? Because like you said, you had to make one, a decision that I'm going to go after this in a way that could make it monetize it and make it a business out of it. But I think a lot of people don't realize their true work, right? And the true sacrifice that goes into building something great. We hear success stories and we think it's overnight and it's just going to happen. And, and, and a lot of people don't realize what you have to give up or what you have to sacrifice. So tell me about some of those sacrifices you felt you had to make. Sure. I think probably the obvious one would be my time. Um, and again, it didn't feel like work, but I did give up doing a lot of other things or just kind of having fun or, I don't know, sitting back and having a weekend because weekends for me were really when I did most of my work on my blog or on my social platforms because I had a full-time and part-time job. So that's a huge one. I mean, you really, if you're going to do it, you have to give it the amount of time and attention that it needs. And I think on a personal on the personal side for me doing what made me happy was probably one of the biggest sacrifices because at the time I was in a relationship and realized we weren't on the same page and I knew that for me to grow in my business and to be happy and to get where I needed to go that I needed to make the decision to step away and to move home and to be in an environment that served me well and that was probably the largest sacrifice I've ever made. And I'm so happy I did it. But in the moment, it's hard. And I, that particular sacrifice and challenge, I did that in three weeks from moving from Virginia to Kentucky. And not one person knew I did it until I revealed it. And the whole time I was still working and I was posting and I was doing stories and no one knew what was going on in my life until I wanted to share that. So that's a huge piece of the puzzle is being able to work through life changes and and all of those things. I mean, you have to show up every single day and I see my platform just like I would the office. I personally don't bring all of my personal stuff, you know, to my social platforms. That's just not how I've how I've done that before. Um but you have to balance those two things, personal life and the piece of your personal life you share with everyone. That's huge. And, you know, to think the fact that you made this sacrifice, like you said, you were in a relationship and you realized to really be happy and to live out what I need to do. I need to surround myself with a tribe or a community of people who are my family or who really support me to help take me to the next level. And having to make that decision scared and not really knowing but to see where you are today, when you look back on that moment, what would you tell that, you know, that younger self? I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but what would you tell yourself and to that woman who was sitting there making that really, really tough decision? 
I think I would just say like there's so many good things ahead of you that are going to come of this very hard decision. And I think I knew that at the time. It's just getting through that kind of yucky emotional part of it. It's like you just kind of have to push through to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think I would just tell myself like what you're doing is the right decision for you. Like always listen to that voice in your head. Always listen to your intuition. That will always point you in the right direction, even if it doesn't feel good at the time. Ooh, that is really, really good. Even if it doesn't feel good, like that the road and your direction, like really being true to yourself. You know, a lot of times we're not true to ourselves. And when I hear you kind of sharing that, it's just like a reminder to be true to yourself. Because I look at you now, we talked about you starting at, you know, friends, family growing to 4,000 and then boom, skyrocketing to 100,000 to where you are today at over, you know, 257,000 followers. I mean, that's like celebrity level. I mean, there's some people that I follow, you know, on Instagram who've been on television, have shows and everything. But to be at that level, what does that feel like now to be at that level, like almost celebrity status to some extent? You know, it's so interesting. I've had people kind of say that to me and I still feel truly very humbled to the whole experience. And I hope I always feel that way because I think it, I would never want anyone to feel like I'm any different from anyone else just because this is, my career is a little non-traditional. I mean, it's a wonderful feeling. And for me, I mean, growth is vital to me being able to grow and to be able to share with people and growth is slower nowadays. So a lot of times, you know, you really have to cultivate the audience that you have um, and that have been there with you. But yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible feeling, honestly. I know. Are you, do people recognize you when you're out on the streets sometime? I mean, have you had that experience where somebody's like, oh my God, it's Amanda Marshall from, you know? I have had, I mean, a couple times, honestly, it doesn't happen that, that often. I think a lot of people are pretty um, respectful of your space too. So I think people will see you and not say anything or now I'm back home in my hometown. So there's people that follow me that do know me. So that's a little bit different too. One time I was in an airport and a girl came up to me and knew me. And I thought that was the coolest thing that ever happened, but it really isn't as common. I mean, there's quite a few influencers out there now. Um, so there's a lot of us running around. <laughs> so when did you know it could be a full-time career? It was interesting because I totally forgot, as you were mentioning, you know, as you decided to make the decision, like, I'm going to really invest in this as a business, you're working full-time, right? And you're having a side business, you know, you were doing, was it Pure Bar or something along those lines? Like you had a side business, you were working part-time and then also doing this? Yeah. So when I was in Virginia, I worked full-time and as a peer bar instructor, and did the blog. And then when I moved to California, I worked full-time in healthcare and worked part-time for Stitch Fix, so in the on the fashion side, and had my blog. And then, honestly, if I could have planned it better, I, I absolutely would have. I wouldn't tell anyone to necessarily do it the way that I did it, but I moved cross-country twice in less than two years and was starting jobs and stopping jobs. And in the process, my passions shifted. And I still loved healthcare, but I just was on the cusp with my blog. And I was like, it needs more attention to really be full time. But to take that leap is scary. So honestly, I was job hunting full time when we when I moved back to Virginia. And in the process was like, you know what, I think I can do it. And I ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. And then one day I stopped job hunting. And it was full time. And it 
it's incredible how much it grew when I was able to dedicate 100% of myself to it. That's amazing because I'm thinking, like, did you ever think, I mean, I know you said you never imagined this, but to be able to make enough money, I mean, we think of influencers and we hear about it, but you were really able to make like a salary on this? Yep. Was that shocking? Oh, oh, absolutely. And I think the thing people don't realize is we don't have a glass ceiling. So where most people, you have a particular salary that you make every year and every two weeks. Now ours is far more risk averse because of what we're doing and you don't get handed benefits or a 401 or anything, but you don't have that glass ceiling. So you can work and work and work and work. And it's incredible to me, the opportunity there monetarily. I mean, I never in a million years imagined where I would be now just because this is my third full-time year and it's amazing. Now, I know you can't, you don't have to give us all the details, but people want to know, like from a beauty influencer perspective, when you're at that level, I mean, are we talking good money? Like what you were making in marketing and healthcare? How do, I mean, how would you quantify it? What is, what's possible? I'll say, and you kind of know, cause we were in a similar position from where I was in corporate marketing to where I am now. I mean, my first year going full-time, I doubled what my corporate salary was. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And then it just has continued to grow from there. And especially, you know, being it's myself and right now my dog, it's a really wonderful life to be able to say, I'm 31. I own my own home. I feel comfortable. I'm able to do stuff for my family now. Like when we go out to eat, I'm like, let me get it or let me, you know, it's just, it's nice to that not be something that's a stressor in my life. And the thing that I think personally, I look back on when I was in my relationship and we were moving and I was very paycheck to paycheck because I was having star jobs and star jobs and star jobs. And I sometimes would have a post-it note where I like owed money to him for rent the previous month or something. And I was like always trying to catch up and I never got to do anything fun and couldn't go on vacations because I didn't have enough money. And now looking back at that, it's just such a good feeling to not have that post-it note I owe you anymore and to be able to do the things that I can do. And it's just nice. It's nice to build that life for myself and to look back and say, I was the only one who did it. That's huge. You know, because I think about that, like you said, being able to double in that first year, your corporate salary that you were making, and then now growing exponentially and knowing that there's no limit on how much you can make, and then buying your own house, right? And to do this all at 31, I'm amazed because I'm way older than you. I've always felt like you're like my little sister. <laughs> you know, I always take people under my wing. <laughs> hope that didn't offend you, but you know how I always look at y'all. But. I feel like you're my big sis. No, I've always felt that way. You're much more like family than a friend. (laughs) Oh, but when I think about it, I'm so proud of you because, you know, to do all that at 31 and to have the vision and to see what you have achieved is nothing short of amazing. And like I said, just going back to that moment, we're in the supply closet at work and I'm in your, yeah, I'm starting this blog. And I always remember thinking you were always so fashionable. You like exuded beauty. So it doesn't, like really surprised me. You were like the person who, when I saw you in the office, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. She's always dressed up. She's fashionable. You know, I'd be like, does this look right together? I feel like I'm off. I'm off on this outfit. Help me, Amanda. You know, you always had that. As I say, so those are some of my favorite conversations though. That's the part of my past work life, you know, just us getting to chat in the office. That was so fun. 
Yeah, because I used to look and I would think you're so fashionable and you always had that. And I, it was interesting because as I was telling another friend that I was going to be interviewing you and, you know, I'd known you for years and she goes, but is that really her? You know, they see you on these photos and you're dressed up and you're glamorous and all that. And I said, that is her. Like, that's really her. I'm telling you, she's not putting on. And that's what I love so much about you, Amanda, is that there's such an authenticity to what you're doing. And I love how you also added not only the component of beauty and fashion, but self-confidence. And when you added that into the blog, I just felt like that even catapulted it to another level. Because yes, I can show you beauty and fashion, but if you don't feel confident on the inside, then what does it all really mean? And I think authenticity is the biggest compliment you could probably give to someone who does what I do, because I that's really, if anyone gets anything out of my blog or my Instagram or my social handles would be authenticity. Like I always want to be the truest version of myself. And the self-confidence piece to me was important because I felt like at the end of the day, I wanted there to be substance behind what I was doing because fashion and beauty is wonderful. And I think that alone can give you confidence, but you really have to be happy within yourself first. And now I've really seen it sort of morph I think as my life has become, you know, more stable and less stressful and I feel very happy, it's sort of morphed into almost more of this positivity component. You know, I just enjoy watching your stories at the end of the day because they're just positive and joyful and happy. And and I purposefully keep it that way. I'm not controversial. I don't try to take sides on things. I just want people to come and feel like anyone can be my friend from any walk of life. And let's just be happy and pleasant and positive because I think everyone needs that. You know, everyone needs that in their life, especially this year. Yeah. Oh, yes. Especially (laughs) this year to know that you're like a bright light that is out there. And as we wrap up the interview, you know, there's probably a woman, maybe she's in her 20s, maybe she's in her 30s, maybe she's in her 40s or 50s who Here's your story and is inspired by what you did that you started with this passion project and it just morphed into something amazing, a full-time career, a full-time job, not even a job, but a full-time, you know, career and an opportunity to impact women around the world. I mean, which is huge. So what lessons, if there was one or two lessons that you wish someone had told you on your own journey or that you would even just give to the women today, what would that be if you had to pick something? Sure. So I have three that I'll give you. So the first one being to just not give up on your dreams. It's not always going to be easy and it may appear easier for others, but I think just never let go of that. I think you can make it happen. There's always a way and to not be deterred by that. I had plenty of people tell me what I do now is just a hobby, that I need to keep my full-time job, that it's just not feasible. And I just refuse to believe that. And you just have to believe in yourself. And I think you can make anything happen. Um, the second one from a business standpoint is consistency. When anyone asks me what's the single most important thing that I could do to become an influencer or a blogger, I say consistency. You have to be consistent. It's not, you're not going to grow every single day. You're not going to maybe see huge changes, but you have to be consistent. You have to show up every single day and that pays off in the end every single time. And then the third one would be, um, and we kind of talked about this ahead of time, was that life is not always what you plan it. Life 
can take all sorts of twists and turns. And I think you kind of have to allow that to happen to you. Had you asked me in college if I would ever move, I would have said absolutely not. And then I moved three times in four years to three different states and never in a million years thought. I always was sort of, I'm such a planner and we all like to kind of confine ourselves to just these certain ideas of ourselves and what life will be. And I think to really be happy and live your dreams, you have to let that go sometimes and just let it happen to you and just enjoy the ride. There were so many golden nuggets in Amanda's story, but what really stood out to me is that she worked her passion project for two years. Did y'all hear that? Two years before she saw any return. It's a reminder to me to keep going and reaching for your dreams. And as Amanda said, make sure to enjoy the ride. To find Amanda on Instagram or to read her blog, check out the show notes. Don't go away. The Coach's Corner is up next. Are you a coach, consultant, entrepreneur, or author who wants to own your stage and embrace the spotlight? Through my media coaching services, I will help you get camera ready. To learn more, check out the show notes or go to thejoysutton.com. On today's Coach's Corner, I chat with empowerment and authenticity coach Jen Fieldman on how to break free from shiny object syndrome and start trusting yourself to run your business your way. What exactly is this thing we've heard about called shiny object syndrome? Sure. It's like when you're doing something and you see something shiny and you all of a sudden switch and move your head and you're you're going to look for something else. And what happens a lot in in business, and I think it can happen in life too, is is we're doing things, we're kind of going along, and then something catches our attention and something pulls us in a different way. And the way I was talking about it and thinking about it in terms of business, especially if it comes to your marketing, is you're doing all the things, but you're you keep searching for something else. You keep looking at what other people are doing. And then you think, oh, should I go find that? Should I go try that? And so it's, it's this um, element of just continually, honestly, just being distracted by other things that are happening out there. Why do you think we get so distracted? Is it that we're not trusting ourselves and we think if I can just find the next best thing, I'll make it. If I can just find the next best course, I'll find the solution to my problem. I think it's a lot of that. I think we aren't trusting ourselves. I think that can really happen when we we start businesses. And I think the other thing is when things aren't working for us, it's why isn't this working? What's happening? What can I do? It's almost this level of, at least for me, it's like this panic, like, oh my God, this isn't working. My business is going to fail. What's going to happen? And or I'm not doing things fast enough, or I'm not, you know, and a lot of it, the other thing I talk about, we didn't talk about this, but is comparisonitis, right? You see what other people are doing, or you see what they're posting they're doing. And, and then you, you think, oh my God, I'm not there. You know, this is really good. Cause it's almost like, if I hear you correctly, like people are distracted, they don't want to dig in. Like, let's just see what's really going on. And instead of like doing that dig in, it's easy to jump to the next best thing. Absolutely. And I think, 
I mean, honestly, at least for me and a lot of the women I talk to and I'm friends with and who do this, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? A lot of pressure on ourselves. So if we don't feel like something's happening as quickly as it should, it's really easy to try and jump to something else. And then we look up and nothing's got accomplished. Exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. Have you found that when people are going after the shiny object and they're really not tuning in and really not like looking to see what's really going on here? Because sometimes, this is maybe a little side note, you're blocking your own business, right? So maybe it's not even the formula. Absolutely. Maybe it's you, but you haven't dug in. So you're just jumping to the next thing to see if it's going to work. So I think there's... There's, there's two sides to it. So there can be techniques that just don't work for you that aren't aligned to you. And we could talk a little bit about that. And I think the other piece is limiting beliefs. So I had no idea when I started a business, the impact mindset. Now I just laugh. Little Jen, when she started about a year and a half ago, she was adorable. No idea. No idea. So mindset is such a huge piece of this and limiting beliefs. And I think once you find out what you're that limiting belief is. And a lot of times it's fear of failure or fear of success. And, and I don't say that in a way to minimize those. Those are very big, huge things. But, but when you recognize what's happening, um, and I had a coach say this once, when you write something down, you take away the level of fear. You just like de-escalate it a ton. And so this isn't work that takes, you know, months or days. This can be 30 minutes sitting down with yourself and some paper and just kind of thinking through it and just saying like, what is, what is driving my need to always change it up? Mm, that's good. That's good. I love that. And even going back, I want to dig a little deeper you, on your limiting beliefs. I know you said starting out, and I think a lot of women who are listening to this podcast either have a business or maybe they're thinking about a business idea and they think if I just have the skill set and the tools, it's okay but what did you learn in terms of mindset? How significant did you realize now that you're a year and a half into your coaching business that you didn't realize in the beginning? 90% easily. What I learned is mindset is so key. And yes, you have to do the you have to do the work. You absolutely have to do work. Um, you can't just like sit and meditate in your in your you know office and things happen. But but there's a lot of personal development that comes with it. And that has been so key. And that's probably the biggest entrepreneur skill I don't think anybody really talks about. And certainly nobody told me. Was the mindset. So what did you have to shift in your mindset? So I had to do a few things. One, I needed to first understand and learn what limiting beliefs were. I had no idea. And I have, like, I have a favorite book that taught me about that. And I was like, okay, great. And then some of it was honestly working with a mindset coach. But a lot of it is really just, and I hate writing. Like anytime somebody would say, journal this, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not journaling. I think you, there's a strength that comes from recognizing these things that we feel. So I personally suffer from self-doubt. Great. Okay. I mean, it's a thing. And when it first hit, I thought, oh my God, I, how do I, what, what's happening? And then I real, now I look at it as, okay, it's a thing. Self-doubt's raising her ugly head. How do I feel about this? And some of it's just reframing and re recognizing all the skills I do have. I had um, one coach and this works, this worked really well for me, which was um, creating a brag book. So hmm. writing down things that I've done that I've accomplished. Um, I've reached out to a couple of friends and said, Hey, can you 
tell me from like a work perspective, what you really loved about working with me. And so I compiled all of that into it's an Excel sheet. And then if I'm having bad days, I will take a moment and really step back and think, okay, what have you done? Right? Like I look at myself now and I think the amount of I've accomplished from a mindset perspective in a year is bananas, but it's a shift of realizing too, like I get to the other piece. And we, we talked about this a little bit before is I get to do things my way. That's been a huge piece for me because I knew there were a lot of things I didn't know. So I knew I didn't know things. I didn't realize how much I didn't know. And then what happened is I started working with coaches. And when you go work with someone who's an expert, you you trust them, right? You trust their expertise in things. And it took a while before I finally, a long time, realized if this isn't working for me, it might not be in alignment for me. It's not that I did something wrong. It's that just wasn't the right technique for me. And that's been a huge shift for me, feeling like I can do things my own way. And especially when it comes to running my business, because isn't that the whole reason we started our businesses or half of it? So we could do things our way and we aren't reporting to other people or doing all these things. And there's an energy shift that happens when you start going down that road, like that you just, and it just starts building and building and building. And so for me, I would say it was doing the work and then having that shift and just really starting to recognize, oh, okay. I mean, great. Or in in a course or a program, maybe there's some things I track to and I really love and some things I don't. And so old me would have thought, oh no, do it. She's the expert. And then new me is like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this piece and not that piece. Wow. I love that because like you said, in entrepreneurship or as we're going forward in that, that mindset is a lot. And if you're going into something thinking it has to be a certain way or have a limiting belief or even that self-doubt, it is going to hinder your business and your ability to move forward. And I think so many people get into business. I've experienced this myself where we think it's just going to be easy and we don't we don't realize like the mindset is 90% of it. And for you to have that revelation to say, hey, the reason why you get into business is to do things your way and to trust if things aren't in alignment with you or something doesn't fit with you, that's okay. And I love that. And we were just talking, I know before we've actually started the recording, that you're actually looking at shifting your business because you find so many women are struggling in their businesses because they're out of alignment. Talk to me about that and even your shift into that. Yeah. So it was something I just, I started noticing more and more. And as I was going through my own journey, I, I had this huge, so I had this huge epiphany. So I invested thousands in a mastermind and great, right? There's great ones. And I remember working with this coach, very well-respected and very fantastic. And there's no disparaging there, but I was having issues because one of the techniques she recommended wasn't working for me. And part of it was, and first I thought, well, this is me. I'm failing at this. And then I thought, and then I kind of realized, it's like, wait a minute. Number one, she only gave me this one technique to do. And I'm telling her it's not working. And number two, wait a minute. It's not working because I actually hate that technique. And so that was this like, tiny thing that became this huge light bulb of, wait a minute, 
this is just not in alignment for me. And I started going down this road of, okay, well, then I'm going to help people find alignment in their marketing. But more and more, what I'm really passionate about, I just want to help women be happy running their businesses, right? That's all I want. I found even on my worst day running a business, there are many bad days, right? We know this, right? Mm -hmm. There's tears, there's chocolate, there's all the things. I'm still so much happier than I was in my old jobs. And it's just so freeing. And so it really became, how can I help other women do this? And as I'm going through things and working through this, I actually had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, I hear you might be shifting. Are you going to be some sort of coach that can help me with business, but be my cheerleader and hold me accountable and offer me support? And I said, yeah. Yeah, if I had to to describe what I'm good at and love to do, that would be it. And and here's the thing. I got a client before I even had a business, before I even had a shift. And that's to me, right? I've heard people say that like, oh, you could just get a client before you. No, I didn't believe it. And then it happened (laughs) is where I walked around the house for about four days. Just like, are we really doing this? Is this really happening? What's going on? And so for me. It's this tiny, small shift that has such a huge effect on things. But I love that also that, you know, as you're shifting to help women to find their own formula, to find, you know, find what works for them. Do you do you think that we've gotten to a point where many of us, whether it's in business or life, we kind of stop listening to ourselves? We think someone else has the answer. So we're and maybe that ties into shiny object center. We're searching for an answer. Absolutely. I I do. So I have always scored on every like corporate personality test intuitive. That's just always been my thing. Empathy was my number one strength, things like that. And, but I think, you know, so I'm Gen X. I'll just tell your viewers how old I am. So as I went through the work world, the career world, of course I wasn't talking about that, right? I worked in corporate and ad agencies I worked with big clients, small clients, but no corporate client wanted to hear about my intuition. And so for me, I tapped down on that a lot and I stopped listening to myself. And I really, I mean, I really stopped listening to myself. And and I agree, you're right. We lose, sometimes we can lose a bit. And there's nothing, it's not like we've done something wrong. We're just in different environments and it happens, but we we stop trusting ourselves. At least I did. And we we forget our own wisdom. I had a friend say that to me yesterday. We forget our own wisdom and we we really need, and, and so part of what I like to do is it's like really help support and say, you can trust yourself. Like, it's okay. Like, let me be here. Let me literally support you and give you the permission to really start to trust yourself again and listen to yourself. So do you think when you realized that you weren't in alignment with yourself, that you weren't really listening to yourself and you had this shift from corporate America to becoming, you know, a coach and doing that and then still finding that aligning to yourself has been this journey, what advice would you give to other women who may be in that same place? They're trying different things in their life or in their business and they feel like it's not maybe working and they're going through this shiny object trying to find an answer, which is a distraction. How do we get beyond that? A good friend of mine gave me some of the best business advice ever. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. 
I suspect, and I'm still early on, I suspect it takes three years before you kind of really feel like you know what you're doing. And if I'd known that at the beginning, I would have saved myself a ton of pressure, a ton of pressure. And some of that, let's be honest, is social media, because there's people who say, I made 100K in my first six months, but what they don't talk about is the two years they spent working on it as a side hustle. And actually, it was my hairstylist who said, oh, doesn't it take like three years to get your business going? And I thought, I think she's right. And so I would give yourself some grace. Understand it takes time. And, and you're going to go through the evolution. Like you're gonna, it's a roller coaster. It's always a journey. It's not a destination. Jen is definitely telling the truth about it being a roller coaster. I've been there myself. And really, it just kind of hits home to me that you have to trust yourself in this process. Nobody knows your business or what you're meant to do more than you. To learn more about Jen and her coaching services, you can check out the show notes. But thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and to leave a review so we can reach even more women from around the globe. And make sure to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to hear from you. And as always, remember, this is your time to shine.